Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Everybody happy? Great to be connecting in a moment with all of our campuses. And I am excited today because we're in week two of engaging eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the fact is that God is for us. He's with us. And there's so much more to come. And great to be connecting, of course, in Australia with Life Adelaide. We love you guys. Life Melbourne, of course, in that great city there in Melbourne, across here in New Zealand, north, south, up at Snell's Beach in Tauranga, uh, all over the place we're meeting together. And God is doing great things. And welcome particularly uh, if you're online as well, and if you're new to life, great to have you here. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, make sure you do go online. Just go to our website and get week one of Engaging Eternity. But like we did last week, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And again, wherever you are, just stand one more time. We're going to pray. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to do more church. I want to get an infusion in fact, I've got a medical infusion coming this week, so I know all about infusions, but I want a supernatural infusion where God drops something into our hearts that shifts paradigms, takes us on a journey of hope and strength and engagement with who God is. Father, we come, we take a moment in our busy world, so much happening around us, just to say, we love you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for going all the way to Calvary so we could experience true freedom. And Holy Spirit, we ask you today, you live on the inside of us, we ask you to help us receive, to hear what you're wanting us to hear. Help me as the one communicating today to bring the Father's heart to all of us. We thank you for that, and Jesus blessed those neck that we're standing next to today, in Jesus' name, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. Give someone a high five on the way down to your seat. You know, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 9. Solomon writes, he was known at the time to be the wisest man in the Eastern world. And he says these words, he says, what prophet is or has a worker from that in which he labours. In other words, in all of the stuff that we are doing, what real profit is there? Then he says, I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied, that God has made, I love this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Did you know that your timing is not necessarily God's timing? Also, he has put, hear this, eternity into the hearts of human beings. Except that no one can find out the work that God has done from beginning to end. I was thinking about that this week and again reminding myself that None of us really understand God's economy fully. But God has put within us eternity and that we were not created for the world that we know. 
There is this part of us that is looking for an understanding of what our world really should be or how will we ever find satisfaction. And God's Word says to us that we are to get ready. We are to get ready for a world that's going to change colossally. That things in this world are not going to get better, they're going to get worse as we get towards the end of time. I mentioned last week that I feel prophetically that there is a major shift that is taking place in the seasons we are experiencing. That the enemy literally knows his time is short and therefore there is a need for us to understand the bigger picture that there is a shift happening naturally, but also there is a shift happening supernaturally. In the spiritual realm, there's an energy enemy that's getting aggravated because he understands that his time is getting increasingly short. And I've shared this a little bit, but our last 12 months for Marie and I as a family, man, has something shifted in our natural circumstance. So much so that you're faced with the possibility of death and you look at death right in the eyes and the prognosis and the reports at times can be overwhelming and you look at that and you realise that in the light of potential death, you begin to think about things that come after that. And I think this series on eternity is one of the byproducts of me looking at the bigger picture with more clarity. It was D.L. Moody, who's this incredible father in the faith that said on his deathbed, he said that I think soon you are all gonna read in the newspaper that I am dead. Boy, I went quiet there. Don't believe it, he said, for a moment. Because I will be more alive <laughs> Than ever before, I love it. He said, earth recedes and heaven opens before me. See, I think when we are confronted with the limitation of this world, we begin to dig deeper and discover that eternity is on the inside of us. That there is a longing for something more than just the natural world, that all of the natural things, as we just read, Solomon says, will come to nothing. So what is the benefit of all the natural labor at the end of the day? You may have houses and be unfulfilled. You could be the top 4% globally of your financial equity and still be unfulfilled. You could have the gold medal around your neck, but then find yourself still fighting with mental health because of anxiety and because of other things that have happened because there's an emptiness in this life that we're looking to fulfill in things. And God says, no, the only way you find that is when you find the author of eternity. Man. And I look at that. Could it be that God is using even what Marie and I are going through to cause us to realise and suffering for others, and even impending death to unfasten us. I wrote this this week. Unfasten us from the things of this earth to set our minds on that which lies beyond. We don't lose, uh, lose loved ones. Rather, they are transitioned into the place that they were created. Completely for. 
Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1, but considering the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Wow. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. In other words, we're going to go along in our natural lives, get caught up in all kinds of things, but then the end is going to come. Did you know that thieves gain access into the things that are unprotected? Did you know that thieves love darkness? The darkness of disappointment, the darkness of the unexplained, the darkness of things around us. The thieves take what is most valuable from us and they leave a residue of fear. When I was taught on eternity in the church growing up, the tone of the message was one of fear. It's kind of how many can remember the movie A Thief in the Night? I've often related to that over the years where you see a family, there's a lawnmower that's running on its own on the grass. And uh, the movie's about those that are left behind. And every time I saw a lawnmower without somebody standing next to it, I thought, oh God. <laughs> There's a sin I haven't confessed and I'm, a, I'm facing a lost eternity and that fear gripped my heart. I've got to be honest, man, that fear motivated me to be in youth and church on Sunday and to be first on the altar call. Whether I knew I had sinned or not, I was getting prepared to confess anything that was happening to me Fear gripped my heart. But we're talking about engaging eternity. We're talking about how do we bring eternity into our now because the enemy's plan for you is to instill fear and for me to focus us on distraction to allow the past to be the strongest element in our lives. The enemy wants us to divide and produce division amongst us. But Paul writes and he says, no, you've got to take up the shield of faith. So how should we respond? How do we respond to engage eternity? That's why we've chosen really the, the telescope is we've got to change a perspective from the earthly standpoint and begin to focus in on what God teaches about eternity. Everything that Jesus taught last week I mentioned was from the view of eternity. Everything Paul lived was from the view of eternity. Whereas, let's be honest, how much of life do we live from the now? The yesterday. Or even the possible blessing of the things of this earth that are yet to come. And God says it all comes to nothing. So I want to bring you on a journey like we saw in John 14 verse 1. Jesus says, don't let your heart become troubled because of what's happening around you or the feelings you have on the inside. Because in my father's house, there are many mansions that I've prepared for you. Last week, we saw that eternity will establish lasting completeness. Can I just say it again? If you weren't here, you cannot find completeness in a marriage. You'll find a measure of completeness when two people are prepared to work at a marriage. You won't find completeness when you achieve the building of the house you've been dreaming about. You won't find completeness, not full completeness in anything of this life 
but completeness will be found. Lasting completeness in heaven. Everything in this earth has a limited shelf life. Come on, can I have an amen? And Paul understood that. And that's why he could write in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, here in this life is working in us a far more excellent, far more excellent and eternal weight of glory. While we don't look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are temporal. How much focus are we doing on the stuff of this world? People go, yeah, but you know, God is a God that is amazing, but boy, I wonder why I still struggle with the sense of completeness. It can't come until we arrive at the place we were created. Not only will eternity establish lasting completion, it also will bring clarity to confusion. This is a big stumbling block for many Christians. It's like, well, why did that happen? And God says, you can't understand why it happened until you arrive in eternity. The enemy uses questions that cannot be answered here on the earth to cause us to back away from God. And our perspective needs a shift. We shared last week how that God works back from eternity. He doesn't work from our now and he doesn't work from our past. He'll deal with our past and he'll be in our now, but he works back from eternity. So he'll allow things that have an eternal echo of goodness to take place. He doesn't create bad things, but he'll allow things so that eternity. There are more people I am sharing my faith with today than ever before. Why? Because I've come close to death. If the greatest thing is eternity, then that's what we should spend most of our week surely achieving or working towards. And then we saw also that eternity will involve one of two judgments. There's a believer's judgment. I don't want to reiterate the message, but if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God will judge you not according to how much money you made or what level of significance you achieved in your natural status. He will look at the kingdom lasting fruit the things that will have lasting eternal value and you will be judged and you won't live eternity disappointed, but you will be void of, again, the fruit of that labor. There are rewards, not regret in heaven, but there are rewards. And I think sometimes some of us are going to get in just as by fire, the Bible says, because we're saved, but we haven't got an eternal bank account operating here on earth. There'll be the judgment of the non-believers, which unfortunately is going to end in banishment. We're going to touch on that a little bit more from the wonder of the presence and the essence of God. Jonathan Edwards said, it becomes us to spend this life only in the journey towards heaven. In other words, he understood that we should be doing everything in light of eternity. Because Romans 14 verse 10 says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow. Come on, every tongue will confess and all of us will give an account of what we did today. What are we? 
the 9th of October, 2022. And I look at that and sobering. I want to go on and I want to give you another couple of thoughts about eternity. How do we engage eternity? I want to change the word eternity to heaven. Did you know that heaven will be uh, immersed in righteousness? There's a lot of debate in the church, modern day thinking. People have wandered from what the word of wandered, wandered away from what the word of God says, and now they begin to rationalize according to emotion. And people say, well, if you're saying that people will spend eternity in hell if they're not born again, how could a loving God do that? But you see, heaven is going to be the be immersed in righteousness. In other words, it's a place where only righteousness can exist. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, are you with me? Come on. In Adelaide and Melbourne and all the other campuses and locals and online. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will burn. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you and I to be? In holy conduct and godliness. And the hastening, uh, looking for the hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look. For the new heavens and the new earth in which, here it is, righteousness dwells. So let me go there because there are Christians today that are blogging and saying, how could a loving God allow people or put people into a lasting torment, which is what the Bible says. And you say, well, it's because unrighteousness separates us from God. God does not put people into hell. Sin takes us there. And so therefore, it's not a loving God that is saying, I'm going to damn you to hell. It's because your unrighteousness is going to take you to hell. And God is a God that is fully righteous. And eternity, heaven will be about a place where there is no unrighteousness. And so therefore, it's so important that we make sure our lives are in right standing with God because it's not our ability to live righteous. It's our righteousness that is a robe that is wrapped around those that come before Christ. And this might not be the kind of preaching you wanted on a Sunday morning or wherever you are hearing this message, but I'm telling you, I'm doing it from a father's heart to again say, don't allow the enemy or even modernistic thinking. I've had people close to me that have walked the walk of the gospel and the truth of God's Word. Later on in life go, yeah, but I got friends who are good people. Good does not get you to heaven. Righteousness gets you to heaven. And that righteousness is the wonder of being wrapped in the forgiveness of Jesus. And so the message of eternity, the message of heaven, heaven is this incredible place that is immersed in righteousness. All unrighteousness cannot enter. 
Man. See, God is holy. And today we can only have our righteousness through Christ. Unrighteousness cannot exist in him. And for us to have the wonder of heaven as outlined by scripture and truth of God's word. You know, I was thinking about Adam and Eve. The best picture of heaven I could give you is go back to the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve fell. Incredible. So God created this garden and in the garden there were many animals and God said, in fact in verse 1 it says there was a serpent that was more cunning than any other beast of the field. By the way, the serpent, the enemy is cunning and he's wanting us to shift our mindsets on certain things today by popular opinion rather than the truth of God's word. He was more cunning than any of the other beasts or the animals of the field. And he said to the woman, Eve, has God said to you that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? A loaded question. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, God has said, we are not to eat it, nor should we touch it, because the moment we do that, we die. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that they did do that, but they did not die. But the death occurred between them and the plan of God for them, which was to be alive to him fully. He tricked Adam and Eve, both of them died, both of them then had to live the consequence of their disobedience. And the Lord God said in verse 22, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, because the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also from the tree, that is the tree of life, and eat it, he shall live forever in the state of the knowledge, here it is, of good and evil. Boy, I've never actually heard this preached. And in that state, he is there. And the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground of the land. So he drove them out and placed a chair of the Bible says around the tree of life. Did you know that you were never originally created as a person to be in the knowledge of good and evil? You were only to know good. There was no evil that would come into the frame because there was no sin, there was righteousness. So God had a tree, but he said, I want worship to be your decision. This is not a manufactured religious response. This is a decision to come worship me and to live by my way. So there is always a choice to be made. You get to choose that, but don't touch. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in that day you will die. We live today dead. Outside of a relationship with God, I'm talking about engaging eternity. I'm talking about what will heaven be like? It'll be a restoration back to full righteousness. There will be no knowledge of evil and nothing evil or unholy will exist. So that's why when you do your research and I'm running out of time, we're gonna do some more on this in the new year, I think. That's if Pastor Luke will allow me. But we are going to be in this place. Hell was never made for any human being. Let me be very clear. It was made for the devil and his angels. 
but unrighteousness will find itself in a lost eternity. So now Adam and Eve and you and I are born into sin and we have a knowledge of good and evil and we live separated from God. Religion is not your answer. There's only one answer. His name is Jesus. And it's his righteousness that becomes our righteousness. And I look at that and you see, it's my view that good became mixed with evil. And after the earth, those who have been made righteous in Christ, as I'm saying, will be eternally free from evil and any propensity because you've already made your decision to be tempted with evil anymore. It'll be done. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10, Therefore, Paul writes, Be an imitator of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also have, has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God of a sweet-smelling aroma. But then he goes on in verse 3, and I found myself repenting this week, thinking, God, how can anybody live up to this fornicators, he said. Wow, we could just park there for a while. What does that word mean, fornicators? Anybody that commits sexual intimacy outside of marriage, God's design of marriage is a fornicator. Mm. God's not here to judge or bring fear in the sense it's what separates us. And you can't just take part of the Bible and not all of the Bible. But all fornication and uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you. Because as should it be fitting for the saints, neither filthiness or foolish talking, nor coarse jesting is not fitting, but rather there should be giving of thanks. Do you know God's not looking for perfection, but he's just saying, did you know that heaven is going to be fully righteous? And to remove the consequence and the byproduct of sin is to live in his righteousness and to be in that place. Ephesians 5 verse 5, for this know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with the emptiness of words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkened, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. I wonder seriously, and I might need some help with the keys right now, how far we drift as a society from the righteous expectation of God. That God is not looking to condemn us, but he is looking to bring us back to this place of freedom in Christ. Again, another scripture, lots of scriptures. Revelation 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them, talking at the end of time, will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented 
day and night forever. This is not a seasonal thing. Because the breath of God created man, it will last for eternity. It's not like my life finishes at death. No, you will go on. The question is, where will you spend eternity? Where will I spend eternity? And I saw the great white throne, him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away from. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead and the small and the great standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the book. The sea gave up the dead and death and Hades delivered up and they were judged, everyone according to his works. The dead in Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone that was not found or name found written in the, the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. You know, as I said, this is challenging stuff, but I want to, again, teach the Bible. Not popular opinion. I've had Christians that have been Christians for a long time. Well, you know, the Bible was written a long time ago and things have changed and it was written by men. Yes, the Bible teaches us don't take one word out and don't add one to it. Truth is truth. truth. Truth doesn't change because of time. And so heaven will be immersed in righteousness. Let's lighten it up quickly because it's getting very quiet here. Heaven will also be saturated with God's presence. So you might say, well, what's heaven going to be like? Man, that's why we need another series because we need to get into a whole lot more detail. But it's going to be saturated with what? Not regret, not sickness, not pain. Not, well, wow, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. No, it's going to be filled with God's presence. As a boy, I remember even before my teens going to kids camps and being under the presence of God, not being able to get off the carpet for hours because the presence of God was so real, more tangible than my own flesh and blood. But to know that any sense of the presence of God here in this life is only a foretaste. Because in heaven, it's going to be saturated with the presence of God. That's why there's no such thing as ailment up there. There's no such thing as, again, regret up there. We have the Holy Spirit who comes upon us in our natural lives here on earth and He lives within us. But He says you should entertain heaven a whole lot more because God's presence is going to be saturated all through everything. Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 16 and verse 11. And you will show me, said the psalmist, the path of life. Because in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I wanna speak to everybody that's going through a natural crisis. It's not the end of your story. The last and final chapter of your life will be eternity where you will be saturated with joy. You will be saturated with the presence of God. You will be reunited with the Creator of the universe and earth that we know. And at your right hand are pleasures, love this, forevermore. That's the God we serve.
saturated. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Those who have no strength or might, He increases strength. Even the youths will faint and be weary and the young men will utterly fall. But those who wait have a touch of the presence of God on their lives. What will they do? They'll mount up with wings as eagle. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Some of you heard the story when I went in for my brain operation not far from a year ago now. Had a six and a half hour operation where they took three tumours from my brain. And the prognosis was not strong. In fact, they said this could be your last thing that happens here on earth. It's you facing death potentially or at least the extreme possibility of all kinds of ramifications. What did Marie do? I didn't know this at the time, but she went home as I went into the operating theater. She lay on a bed for six and a half hours with her phone on her chest, with worship music coming from it. The presence of God began to fill her. And then she had a vision and she saw the Holy Spirit come and descend upon me and hover over my brain. She saw it going back and forward and great strength and hope came to her because she knew God was in that theater room. And there was a sense of strength and joy that has carried us through the journey, remembering as soon as the presence of God comes into a situation, everything changes. And here we are a year on by God's grace, standing strong. Still a few battles to fight. A few natural things that are not working like they used to work, but that could be old age. I don't know. Are you hearing me? It'll be saturated with God's presence. And finally, heaven will experience God's or will contain God's continual creativity. I have a little bit of a, not a problem, but a challenge with some people that try to explain heaven fully. I thank God for His Word and what He gives us because it gives us insight into a whole lot about heaven. But can I just share that eternity, heaven for those believers that have come and received the forgiveness and dealt with, again, unrighteousness, become born again, the Bible says, hey, I'm going to continue to create. Did you know before the earth, God was still creating? We don't know anything about really what happened before earth, but God is a creator. He was creating for eternity past. We can't get our heads around that. And the good news is heaven's not an ethereal place, whereas if you were good, you'll get a trumpet. And if you were not so good, you'll get a harp. And you're just going to fly around in nothingness and you won't recognise. No, that's not what the Bible says. It's going to be a brand new place where sin is not even understood anymore because it's dealt with. It's separated from us and there's this place of strength and victory. 
You know, I've learned things as I've studied. Uh, people say, you know, we, we, will animals be in heaven? I go, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, but what about my bear? Well, you read Isaiah 11, it says the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the kid goat and the little child will lead them all. So I've got to repent and say, I haven't got full understanding up to this point. There's going to be animals. Everything that was in the Garden of Eden, listen, is the starting point. But God's going to create more. God's going to have eternity future creating. I'm going to get bored in eternity. I've just got to do the same. No, He's a creator. Come on. He continually creates. His creativity goes on and on and on. I look at my own life and I, I'm thankful that central to my own faith, not my religious belief, is that I've come to discover God his forgiveness, His love, His answer to my human search, and that heaven is a tangible reality. Revelation 21.1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Do you know the heaven we can look at, the stars, that's going to go? You know the earth as we know it, that's going to go. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Somebody should be getting excited about right now. And there was no more sea. I have a problem with that. Because I love to fish. But then I say, yeah, but God, there'll be continual creativity. So if there is no more sea at the start, let's talk about it when we get up there. Seriously, I, I personally, hand on heart, believe everything that you love to do that's wholesome, stimulating, Fulfilling, God is going to continue to create more of. I love that. And I, John, saw the holy city, you Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared like a bride adorned for a husband. What's heaven going to be like? It's like the groom waiting for the bride. Come on, that's the best view, potentially, you're ever going to get. It's going to be amazing. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. Goes down to verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be His God. He shall be my son. Inherit all things. Church, look at me as I bring this to a close. Everybody online, every campus, every local. This is not just a message that I'm preaching, pulling out of the sky. It's kind of a journey that I'm on. And I realize that we only see life through a mirror dimly. But I want you to hear these words, it's time. It's time to stop acting as if heavens or heaven was, is just a myth. An impossible dream, a relentless dull meeting or an unimportant distraction from real life. It's time to see heaven for what it really is our reason for existing. 
it's time to embrace eternity with a contagious joy, increasing excitement and a growing anticipation of unrelenting communication and a commitment to building God's kingdom here on earth. And it is time to acknowledge and to repent if we need to, so that we may be clothed, each one of us, in His righteousness. I wanna talk to every person that knows in their heart that there is current unrighteousness, there is sin that exists in their own life. You know, by going to church won't get you to heaven. We need church because that's where we grow and as part of God's design of our maturing. That's why the enemy attacks church. Now the way to finding completeness, the way to finding fulfillment, the way to finding God's purpose for your life is when you come clean with God. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not here to make you make that decision because it needs to come from your heart. This is not like a religious act. This is a response. If you do it out of fear, it won't last. If you do it out of a response that says, God, you died on a cross for me. That's amazing. Because the Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. But hear this, don't park there. It's not separation from God. It's the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna pray what I believe is the most powerful prayer when we say, God, that's me. I've never received you as my Saviour. My righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. But Jesus died on a cross. He didn't deserve to die. He died because death is the outcome of sin. And He paid the price for me. If you know that to be true, but you know also you haven't dealt with sin in your own life and you need to deal with that and you're saying, God, I need to come back to you, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Every campus, everyone online, no matter where you are today, would you bow your head for a moment? Just to give everyone this moment, because I know there will be scores and scores and scores of people today that know they've got to deal with unconfessed sin. People that have never prayed a prayer of repentance. Or today you have, but you know you're not right with God and you're gonna come back home. If I'm speaking to you today, again, Melbourne, Adelaide, as I said, every campus, every local, everyone online, here in the main auditorium, if this is you, you say, Paul, that's me, you're talking to me today. I wanna leave this place right with God. Lift your hand up high. Come on, lift them up. Just say, that's me. I want to be included in this prayer. God bless you as you lift your hand. Fantastic. Come on, lift them up. Just say, yes, this is me. I want to make sure I'm right with God because God is here to meet you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. So many others that are lifting their hands in each place. And let's pray this prayer and really mean it. And just say, God, I'm coming to you. I, I want an eternity with you. I want to be in this place of full forgiveness. So let's pray it together as a church family out loud. Say, God, today, thank You that You love me, that Your Word is a Word of life, that You died on a cross 
so the sentence of death could be broken off my life. And I give myself to You. I'm sorry for my sin and for my past. And I receive You here right now as my Lord and Saviour. In the Name of Jesus, Amen and Amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.